Today's episode of Atlanta Zone is brought to you by Gibby's Podcasting Studio. Are you a professional podcaster currently without a place to podcast due to COVID-19? Well, come down to Gibby's. You can podcast next to his pile of styrofoam, buckets of acrylic paint, old running shoes and straw hats, and... And propane and propane accessories. Thank you for the fill-in there. Uh, so, Gibby, thank you for having us out. We're very excited. Uh, this is a big turn for Atlanta's own podcast, and it all started with the positive vibes at Gibby Studios. Relatively affordable as well, but I'm not going to throw the money piece out there. So, thank you, Gibby Studios. Let's start the show. What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we're Atlanta Zone, two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta sports, wacky-ass hijinks, alcohol, alcoholism, <laughs> I'm a lush, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it is going great. We're, we have a roof over our heads. It's nice. But we're still outdoors. Yep. And I'm on one side of a table with a mic, and you're on the other side of the table. And no thanks to intern Jared. Thanks to you, I suppose. I'll give you credit. You got me about 75% of the way there. Finally figured out the aggregate device. Uh, it feels good. I could be free. Don't have to like lean in and out. The lean in and out method was kind of weird last week, sitting at odd angles. Yeah. It's perfect. We're looking at each other. It feels like a semi-amateurish professional podcast. We're, we're A-ball again. We, we were like middle school ball for a while there. Now we're back. You know, we, we, we blew out our arm. We were out of baseball for a while. We were in an independent league. And now we are fighting our way back, trying to get to AAA probably. Those are lofty, lofty goals, Adam. Um, yeah, it is nice. And I think, you know, one of the reasons why maybe we haven't been as astute or as sound with our analysis, maybe – in the history of the show, with the exception of like maybe two or three times that we have actually done two different mics, like uh, you know a real podcast, I think it just puts a lot of stress having to just be on one microphone, particularly in COVID times. I mean, I would like to see some of the best Atlanta radio shows uh, using just one mic, having the two guys have to sit relatively close to each other and yell into it and lean back. Yeah, it's 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 a lot to think about, and you're. The least, the last thing you're thinking of is what you're actually saying. Is the it is the antithesis of being natural, that's for sure. I did appreciate hearing this week, though. I, I was listening to um, slightly more popular podcast, the the Joe Rogan Experience. I don't think it's that much more popular. Just I mean, a little on. bit. Depends on which circles you're in. Yeah. Um, but he, any guest that's in studio now, he's been doing like the instant COVID test, so they know they can be in the studio. They don't have to worry about it, but they still sit at least this far apart with two mics um but he had him and this guest were talking he's like what if it had been positive he's like huh i guess we'd go to the parking lot i don't know so i was like oh that's what we do all the time as well but we i don't think well we don't have covid but we don't know so but we, we know you don't yeah, yeah sure covid I, test I, the other day freshly tested uh graham the other day we ended up at a public park and we wanted to play some wiffle ball with like our six to seven adult friends and there turned out to be a huge block party going on at the park at the same time 
And as soon as I pitched one pitch, I was like, there's way too many kids here. They're absolutely going to want to play. And next thing I know, I'm throwing batting practice to like 10 different kids. Kind of snuck up on me. Didn't realize it until after the fact. Uh, Graham was refusing to see me. I was I was sitting over there in total horror. I was like, Adam's going to get COVID and die. Yeah, I've never <laughs> seen anyone look more uncomfortable in their life. Well, they, they got to the point where there were about 20 kids running around. I was like, Jesus, God. I was... I was taller than all of them. So it doesn't matter. They're running around. They're breathing. They're they, screaming. They can't breathe up. I'm breathing down. It's outdoors. I don't know. It was still... It worked out fine. Got a quick COVID test. Drive in and out. 24-hour results. Free and clear. Yeah. So I was uh, I was putting Adam in the in the cat room, as we like to call it, until we got those results back. Yeah, you got me paranoid. So I guess paranoid is a good thing at times. Yeah. Uh, Rather be overreactionary than underreactionary, I suppose. Sure. Or sure. something like this. But uh, yeah. Doing great, Graham. Good. Fantastic. You're going to have to carry the show, Adam. Uh, I got absolutely hammered last night uh, in the celebration of Ian Anderson's sterling debut as an Atlanta Brave. The guy I talked up for so long came out against one of the best lineups in the American League and just dominated. Uh, but we'll get into that in a minute. So, Adam, yeah, I'm glad you prepared some notes today because you're going to need it, my friend. You're going to need it. If I can read it, yeah, I got a couple stats on here. I'm not firing on all cylinders. Oh, no, you got it, dude. You got it. I, I believe in you. Let's, you want to start with some Braves? Let's start with some Braves. So since the last time we spoke to you guys, um, it was when the last game of the Nationals series was rained out. Uh, the Braves took 2-3 or against the Phillies. Uh, the first game of that series was a big 11-2 win. Uh, Darno hit two home runs in that game. Ozuna hit a home run. Um, next game Saturday, that was the big comeback. If you recall, we were down four. Uh, there's a Duvall walk-off single. And, of course, who's involved in that? Dansby Swanson, a big clutch two-out double before that. And Sunday, that was a wash. We lost it on some weird rule. So two or three against the Phillies. And then we just had the doubleheader against the Yankees. Big sweep, couple great pitching performances. There's your little recap, Hugo and friends. That's what you missed. And now we can dive a little further into each of those games. Wow. Great job. How about that, Graham? That was really good. It was a lot better than my attempts at the recaps, even when I've been somewhat sober. Um, <laughs> let's, let's start with the hot topic, Adam, which is Ian Anderson. Long prophesized to be one of the better uh, talents in our system came up yesterday against the Yankees and pitched like he was, you know, a five-year vet. He was not just out there trying to blow the ball past people. He was very, very cognizant of what the batter was giving him in terms of if a batter was in front of a pitch or behind a pitch, he would adjust. For example, if, uh, you know, he was throwing off speed in the, and, uh, the guy was behind. He'd ramp up the fastball. If he was throwing his fastball in his head, he would go off speed. He varied location. He was elevating his fastball when he needed to. He was getting it below the zone when he needed to. And he made the, the Yankees overall look silly. I think they touched him up for, what, one run? That one, one hit, one run. Yeah. That one run was a pop-up to right field that got out in yeah. the seats. It wasn't really hit hard. Um, and I was just really impressed with his ability to to analyze the performances of the batters against him, react to it in a smart and sound way. He wasn't nibbling. 
He was attacking, but he was also throwing competitive pitches like Max Fried. Not as good as Max Fried does because Fried is a lot more experienced. But, you know, he made guys swing at pitches out of the zone because he was so effective and he was throwing a lot of strikes. And when he needed to go out of the zone, he did it in a way that wasn't like Sean Newcomb where it was like 10 feet outside or Fulte where it was 10 feet above the catcher's uh, head. (laughs) So it was so refreshing to see that, particularly when you're also getting back, which was a little lost in the shuffle, you're getting back Ronald Acuna getting back Nick Marcakis. Your lineup is demonstrably better with those guys added to the order. And Freddie Freeman's hot, hitting over 300, over 400 on base. I think it's 600 slugging percentage in August. Yancey Swanson's hot, so it's like you're getting, your lineup's really going. Ozuna's killing it as well. And then you get an outstanding pitching performance. Save that bullpen. And with the new stupid rules of doubleheaders or seven innings, Ian Anderson's one inning away from pitching a complete game. You can put an asterisk next to that because it's seven innings, but he goes six innings and pitches his ass off. I was very, very impressed by his performance. And it's not to say he's going to do this every time out and that we should anoint him the new ace of the staff or anything like that, but as far as debuts go, that was one of the better debuts a Braves pitcher has had in recent memory. Yeah, it's um, – I mean, also just considering the circumstances, like – you first hear it, he's making his debut against Garrett Cole, who had won 22 straight games. Something like that. Or the Yankees had won 22 straight games? I don't think he had won. His team has yeah, won 22 he was, straight times. He's, four, he he's 4-0 and in six starts this yeah, year. Yeah, so, so his team has won 22 straight times. Yeah. Um, so you got that streak going against you. We got rocked by the Yankees when we played them a couple weeks ago in New York. Um, it, it was setting up to be, uh, oh, this kid's going to get shelled and – Everyone's going to be doom and gloom about Ian Anderson and people probably calling bust after one start. But instead, I mean, you could just tell after the first batter pumps into 95-mile-an-hour fastballs, it's like, okay. And then he follows it up with that changeup. It's like this guy is clearly more polished than a lot of these other prospects. And, I mean, it, it was very promising to see. I agree. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's see him do it multiple times teams are going to get scouting reports on it was my, it was my first time seeing him pitch live i've only seen like highlight reels um yeah it's weird it's a name you, you hear about for the last couple two three years remember him getting drafted walking across the stage shaking rob manfred's hand that's about all i know about ian anderson besides what you hear so to see it live was great um uh, but scouting reports will catch up to him let's not get ahead of ourselves but it is very promising, and it just makes you think of the future already with Soroka, Freed, Anderson, one, two, three. Um, Got to be untouchables. And, yeah, I mean, a very impressive debut. I, I do have a couple issues, not with Ian Anderson, but I was listening in about the fourth or fifth, I think it was the fifth inning, and he still had a no-hitter running. I'm listening on, on the radio. Why do announcers all like to point out that someone's throwing a no-hitter? Like, even though everyone knows you don't do that. Like, Well, one, it doesn't matter. It, Two, um, has has zero effect on the game for someone to say that. It clearly does. It doesn't. Jim Ian pa- Anderson's not thinking about what Jim Powell is, Jim, is talking Jim about. Powell brings he up, doesn't give a shit about Jim, Jim Powell. Jim Powell brings up the fact that in these shortened seven-inning games, if someone were to throw a no-hitter, it would not officially count as a no-hitter. Guess what the next batter does? I guarantee that would have happened without Jim Powell saying that. 
Well, you can't. There's no way to guarantee. No, it. well, there's not. But it's just like him. But no, I, I will say that because anything that's said on the radio has no bearing on what happens in reality. I don't care about you and Hugo and Mark Andre with your superstitious bullshit. I mean, I've gone out on a limb and said the Braves are going to lose in the playoffs, and they lose every time. Does that <laughs> is, is so? If that rule was real, then me saying they're going to lose would make them win. No, because jinxes don't go that direction, Graham. They well, only go positive to negative. They don't go negative to positive. Everyone knows that. Uh, it's, a bunch of, it's a bunch of malarkey. Well, just don't do it. We've had this conversation. <laughs> There's baseball gods. Just stop tempting there, there, There's not. It has nothing to do with anything. And uh, he gave up the hit because that's what happened in the game. That's my opinion. I'm <laughs> sticking with it. And you, can't, you have no basis in, in anything. It's just a delusion that people have to make things seem more important than they are or to insert themselves in a scenario in some respect to just, try, to, try to make it. It doesn't yeah. help anything. Just don't do it, Jim Powell. There's enough base. Like, you should cater to your audience. And baseball fans are a bunch of superstitious losers like us. Well, you're not superstitious. I am a loser, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're one or the other. Yeah. I've got another opinion that you're going to hate. Hate, hate, hate. Despite, I mean, you're coming out with positive things just about Ian Anderson and how happy you were to see him. I'm going to bring it down a little bit. Uh, I kind of like the seven-inning doubleheaders. <laughs> and let, let me state, it's just not baseball. Let me state my argument. And I'll also be cognizant of the fact that the Braves have played two and we're 4-0 in those. But it is kind of nice. You, you know, as a fan watching a nine-inning doubleheader, that's a that's your whole day basically. I mean that's three three and a half hours, hour break, three three and a half hours. These seven inning games are very quick. Like you get to the fourth inning and you realize it's already late in the inning, in, late in the game, and it does save the bullpen. Uh, it makes the scheduling issues with all these delays and postponements when it doesn't rain, like we had the other night less of an issue in the shortened season and it's kind of fun to watch I, I mean I, I wouldn't want it to be a meaningful game like in the playoffs or oh, something like that yeah. but I think it's it's decent for what it is and yeah that's it I, 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 I don't think we need to be so negative on these double headers I just think it's like it's so stupid when you play uh a nine-inning game and all other scenarios, and then it's doubleheader, and now it's seven-inning. I mean, you look at what happened last night in the sixth inning of our game. Freddie Freeman hits the two-run homer in game two to go up two to one, but it's going to the seventh inning, and now Mark Melanson gets to go down there, out there, and shut the door when it should be okay. Now we got to hold the lead for three more innings. Do so you feel bad for the Yankees? I don't feel bad for the Yankees. I just, I just think it's very inconsistent with how you play the game uh, normally. Yeah, but. And it just doesn't make sense. It's just such a stupid Both rule. teams are playing by the same rules. Man managers have to adapt. Yeah, but it's like, it's just, it, it, it's, it's a lot like, it's, to me it's a lot like the wild card game in the sense that you play one game for a playoff, uh, for a playoff game to advance to the NLDS or ALDS. And I just think that's total horseshit when the entire season is predicated on winning a series. Think, think about it like this. Uh... I mean, you can do what you want. I just think it's dumb and inconsistent. You can think of well, inconsistencies. So there's already inconsistencies in baseball that we've seen with the DH and the AL. Yeah, well, that always sucked. That, uh, that's, that's always sucked. Stadiums are different. There's different dimensions. 
uh, what's a fly ball that ends the game in one stadium yeah. is a grand slam that ends yeah. the game in the other stadium. I mean, so, that's so a Consistency's reason. happened as long yeah. as but both teams are playing in the same stadium under the same rules still best team wins that's true i mean at the end of the day the best team usually does come out with a with a victory but it's just it's so weird to be you know used to nine innings and then something all of a sudden it's over i mean anything could have happened in that game we could have blown it that's really um, the first that the second game yesterday is really the first one that it's like this that wasn't already decided basically right like with our bullpen odds are we hold on to a 5-1 lead yeah yeah um the other doubleheader, I think it was against the Phillies. I think we rocked them both games. Right. <laughs> uh, Philly John confirms this. He's our host. He's just keeping an eye on us to make sure we don't mess anything Keep up in his studio. Um, yeah, I, I kind of enjoy it. But anyways, let's discuss this team a little more, Graham. Sure. So, yeah, we're 18-12 and 12 after the first 30 games. We've got 30 games left. All things considered, when you look at all the injuries this team has suffered, the lack of depth on the pitching staff, or the rotation at least, to be 18 and 12, it's pretty damn good. We've, we've had games where we've missed a lot of key guys, and one way or another, this team continues to rally and play well enough to be where they're at at this point, which, I mean, I thought, especially when Soroka went down, it was like bye-bye, baby. Like with the underperformance of Ozzy Albies, uh, Acuna was, I think, hurt at that point or wasn't performing well, I can't remember. Uh, Freddie hadn't heated up yet. It was like, well, shit, you know, we might be dead team walking now. But somehow, we're not only in the thick of it, but we're one of the better teams in the National League, if not one of the better teams in baseball overall. Yeah, they came out with new World Series odds and were second behind the National. I mean, the Dodgers right now. Um, yeah, I think the Dodgers are clearly the class of the National League, but the Braves have played well enough to at least comp- – I still think we need to make a move for another starter if you want to have any chance of competing with them. Because if, if, if you think that Ian Anderson's just going to – go out every time and pump in six innings uh, and uh, one-hit baseball, I think you're sorely mistaken. So, I mean, I definitely think he should get as many opportunities as possible based off that start. But, you know, you, you still have uh, depth issues all over the place in the starting rotation. I mean, Max Fried's a bulldog. After that, it's still a question mark for everyone else. So you've got to make another – some people more than others, but you got to make a move for a guy like Lance Lynn on the Rangers or someone of that ilk to come in here to help out the team if you're really serious about competing with the Dodgers this year. Yeah, I'm freed for the record, number one on my little uh, stats paper here. He's got 2.4 war, which leads all of baseball right now. Yeah, I mean, you could make the argument he's the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah, he's in the Cy, Cy Young running if they do awards this year. But, yeah, he's he's been incredible. Um, Anderson makes things interesting. I'll say that much. Um, he gives you more more hope. I mean, for you, sure. you look in the past, you can think of all. I mean, I go way back to like Dontrell Willis, just like a, a rookie, just dominating the postseason. No, he was in Miami. Yeah. Yeah, Josh Beckett. I mean, young guys come up and can make a huge difference in their first year. Um, yeah, and that's also the good news. And this is something that plays to Anderson, his strengths, I guess, is that. You're not going to have a lot of time to build a book against this guy. You only have 30 games left in the season. He's only going to start, what, three more times, if that, probably? I'd say four. Maybe four, whatever. He's, he's, he's probably going to, at a max, he's going to start five more times. Six, before the 30 per- divided by five. Okay. Before the, <laughs> he's not going to have that many more starts, in other words. I'm a stats guy. Right? Before, yeah, I know you are. You're 2.4 war, pulling that out. Uh, <laughs> 30 divided by five. Uh, that's that's huge. That's big for a guy like you and me. Sabermetrics. Yeah, you're really bringing it today. Uh, 
basically what I'm trying to say is, is that teams are not going to have a lot of time to build a book off Anderson, which he can ride into the postseason if we make it to potentially still be effective. Like, if you're going to be able to start adjusting to Anderson, those adjustments are probably going to come later than other teams would like them to. So it's not to say you still can't go out and get shelled, but you're not going to be able to build up a consistent book on him yet. So this shortened season plays into his strengths for sure. Yeah, I mean, we, we got we still got wild cards out there with the pitchers. There's Anderson. I'm not, don't even say anything. Cole Hamels is still a wild card. Um, Fulte putting on all his weight. He's a wild card. He puts on 10 pounds. He could come back. Can he build up all that uh, velocity back is my question. With the, with the added weight, we'll see. Um, is there any ETA on him potentially coming back, or is he just I, I beefing like, it up over I feel there? like it's going to be one of those things where just double like, double cheeseburgers like Randy from Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, I, I think next week Bowman, I mean, he's, he's had enough of his quick trip and racetrack back and forth up in Gwinnett, and Bowman's going to be like, Mike fulton which starts in the first game of this doubleheader. It's, it's going to be out of nowhere. Um, but we got wild cards in the starting rotation. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you can see there's, I mean, there's something with this team. When it's late in the game, no matter how many down, the at-bats, the quality at-bats just improve yeah. from everybody. Tyler Flowers is up there working at 7-8 pitch at-bat, getting a single before that Adam Duvall walk-off against um, against the Phillies last weekend. So, I mean, it's just just watching the games, you can tell these guys just button down. And they're never out of it. They're I mean, never I, out of it. I thought we were screwed. We were down 4 nothing. It's like, nope, never mind. Yeah, I mean, we're out four-fifths of our rotation – like all the bats that have been clutch, even like Marcakis coming up and then going down, someone else steps up, and that's what you got to love about this team. Now, if we, we get Ozzy back, and yeah, if he, Ozzy comes back if healthy, he starts doing Ozzy things. If you think uh, about the lineup right now, yeah, if he comes back healthy, and you got Acuna, uh, keep Dansby. I, you got to keep Dansby too. Freddie, that guy's an X factor. Ozuna, Darno, and then you can put Ozzy sixth. Or seventh, even behind Marquecas. I mean, shit, that's a deep as hell lineup. That was one of the things I was concerned about in the season. Is like this was the death of this lineup. I mean, the really the biggest detriments you have right now are, are are Camargo and Riley, who continue to suck overall. Even though I know Riley's had his moments, but and Ender. What, what do you think about? I'm, I'm I'm hoping this Ender. I think Ender was only playing as much because of Acuna being out. That's what I'm hoping, anyways. What do you think about? the rumors of us trading for Kyle Seeger out of Seattle. I don't because think Seattle's it's... the team that's looking to move people. Seeger's got a huge contract. We could get a starter out of them as well. What starter would you get for them? Uh, 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 Tiwan Walker? He's all right. He's got some velocity. He's solid. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not really interested in Seeger, honestly, because you're still scoring a shit ton of runs with an absolute albatross at third base. And those guys, and Riley's still playing good defense there. So I'm really not as interested as making a move for a third baseman as I am shoring up the rotation because the offense, as we discussed, has been thoroughly effective. The rotation has been our biggest issue this year. You got to strengthen that. And as you mentioned, Seeger's deal, 18 million this year, I think it's 22 million the year after. And this is one. Of, this is one of the first years that Seager's had in probably three or four years where he's been a, a real factor. And I'm not interested in taking on that big of a contract for a guy like that. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I, it's not a need to just be a surplus, I suppose. But you never know when that'll come into play. Right. But, uh, but you got to think about what you have to give up, right, and what you need. I mean, if you make a move for Seager, you're probably not going to be able to go get uh, Lance Lynn or Clevenger from the Indians. Apparently, he's there's rumors around him 
potentially being on the market from the Indians, who is an excellent pitcher. He was the guy who broke the uh, COVID protocols by going out and get a beer we talked about a couple weeks ago. He came back after missing, what, two weeks and threw an excellent game the other day. So if they want to move him, he's a guy I would love to have. He is one of the most under-the-radar excellent pitchers in baseball. Consistently sports a very, uh, you know, a good whip that's close to one. He has like a 3-2 ERA. He strikes out a shit ton of – he strikes out like seven, eight guys every start. Misses a lot of bats. He's, he's an excellent pitcher. And he's someone, either him or Lance Lynn, should go out and get. Do you trade Pache and Tucker Davidson for Clevenger? You can make the argument that I guess that could be an option. The one issue with trading Pache to me is, one, his talent is off the, off the charts, I think. I think he's your best prospect overall. Clevenger is great. That's, that's tough. I mean, I'm not as concerned about getting rid of Davidson, but especially with our outfield the way it is when you think about it, Ozuna's only on a one-year deal. Marquecas is getting old. He's on a one-year deal, even though I know he's still having a good year. Acuna is really the only mainstay you got there, and you got Waters in the minor league system. Getting rid of Pache, it's a big risk to take in terms of potentially jeopardizing the future of your outfield unless you're able to replace those guys like Ozuna. Um, and Marquecas, but I mean, who are you going to replace him with if Pache's not there? You got to make another move or sign a free agent. Right. So. What are your thoughts on? So Pache did get the call up during this week as well, and I think he only ended up getting one start, which yeah. a lot of people were very upset about. With Ender still being out, total there. bullshit. Um, and did you hear what your boy Snicker said? What's that? He said Pache was only up here for defense. We still want Ender. You know, for offense or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. No, well, he was t- he was referencing. <laughs> but he did mention that he did. But he was referencing Matt Adams bat being in there oh. over Pache's. And, I just think it's totally and Matt Adams. You can't make let me, the. Let me reference my yeah. notes here. Uh, he had a two run double in that four run comeback. So you can understand the Matt Adams bat, even though he hasn't been great this year over Pache. But well, he's more proven. But I think you know, but like, to, to include Ender in that argument is absurd. But I don't think that's what Snit was saying. But it's just like, Posh, like Ender doesn't give you anything. Pache is probably can't say he's as an adept as a defender because we haven't seen enough of him yet. But did you? You see can't it? rely on Ender to contribute at all offensively. He is an absolute loser with the bat. Yeah, Ender. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me at this point because it's not like if Pache were down in AAA getting at bats, I would understand it. But he's not. I mean, they're doing simulated games. I'm sure. Yeah. You, but you, you got to start Duvall every day. Ender is literally. I'll Chris Traeger it. Literally, the worst hitter in the major leagues. Yeah. Statistically. Um, did you see Pache's throw? I think it's actually Pache. We need to figure out that one. Yeah, we do. It <laughs> also will sound racist. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Cut that. Uh, oh, that's funny. <laughs> we'll maybe, see if I keep that. Maybe keep it. Yeah. From left field to home plate. Yeah. Cannon. Like... He didn't have a shot, and it was just an absolute laser. Uh, so that's what he does bring. Yeah. Maybe he'll be back up, but it, it's good to see. I mean, it's very exciting to see both him and Ian Anderson this year. It's like guys we've been hearing about the last two, three years. Right. It's awesome to see some of their raw talent. But to go back to your point that you're making with Anderson about how you know getting a young guy 
could change your fortune, like up to set the world on fire, could change your fortunes in the postseason. Pache, I feel like, could be that kind of player. I feel like the difference is, like, he's not known for his bat. Like, his bat's coming around. Yeah. But, he, I, mean, but I would like to see. Let's just see. Give him a yeah. chance. He's, he's going to be your number eight, number nine hitter. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah. That's okay, because the lineup is deep. So you're not really losing anything by telling Ender to go, you know, take a seat on the bench and having Pache get more at-bats. Because now you got Adam Duvall playing more, which I'm fine. I'm actually he's been solid this year. Are you on the Adam Duvall train? Well, now? I think he's he's done. I saw you picked him up in fantasy baseball. I did pick him up in fantasy baseball because I needed some outfield depth. But I mean, he's not having like an outstanding year or anything. But he's been solid and he plays good D. And and he's a clutch hitter. Yeah. So if you're not gonna, like my thing is, is I do not want to see Marcelo Zuna get another day in the outfield for the rest of the season. And if that's the case, which I know I won't, because Snicker is gonna Snicker. Uh, but if that was the case, then you got to play Duvall every day or Pache. Uh, and have them split time or something. I don't know. But yeah. I do not want to see Ender out there, and I don't want to see Ozuna play outfield. I want to see him DH every day, hitting fourth, keep doing what he's doing. Hit a bomb off Garrett Cole. Uh, Dansby hit a bomb off Garrett Cole. Cunha did. I mean, that was impressive seeing the home runs we were hitting off that. Oh, that. That sounds a statement as well. Yeah, Just, 475 feet Acuna's leadoff bomb was. Yeah, I mean, that, that, his first game back, I mean, he's he's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was, like, and that pitch was outside, and he pulls it to left field for 475-foot homer. It's like, holy shit. Yeah, I mean, I just, I love the creativity of the lineup as well. Like, they're kind of, putting Freddie at number two now, and then Dansby's back down there. They can kind of swap those guys around as well. Um, but you got to stick with Acuna at one. I think we're all on the same page yeah. there. Yeah, and I like Freddie hitting third because Acuna, or Dansby in particular. He's just on base all the time. Well, Dansby's on base. So, I mean, you want Freddie Freeman in a run. And I think he, Freddie Freeman is in a position to drive in runs if he hit second more because Acuna can get on base too. But Dansby's getting on base at such a high clip right now, and he's hot as hell, that having him hit behind Acuna – and set up Freddie is, is, is a fantastic Dansby Swanson sandwich to me. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the X factor this year, no doubt. I mean, he just he's saved us with all these other guys going down. Yeah, and he went through a little spell about a week and a half, two weeks spell where he wasn't hitting well, but he's he's got his shit rolling right now. Last couple of weeks, he's he's killing it. Um, you got any other uh, news and information on your little stat sheet there? Uh, on the Braves, the other uh, only other thing I wanted to – comment on is just just validating Anthopolis a little bit with going for the value signings of Darno and Ozuna versus giving $100 million to Josh Donaldson who's been hurt all year with calf injuries and has one home run and four RBIs hitting under 200 um, yeah I mean I and th- you love Darno and you love Ozuna well I especially love Darno um, you're a big time Darno guy because, I mean, you saw what he did in Tampa last year. We talked about this where the power was just coming through and he's getting on base like crazy. And you wonder if it was an outlier, but he's proven that it wasn't right now. The thing that was very, a very, uh, was great about the Donaldson, not making the Donaldson move, and I know we were both upset about that because we loved Josh Donaldson, what he brought last year, was, I mean, he was only a year removed from having two injury plague seasons. He's getting older. You give a guy like that four more years. I mean, that's a tough decision for Anthopolis to make. He, I know he didn't, like, give. Donaldson the money he wanted but I mean he probably maybe he could have but maybe he also thought it's not worth it so we'll make we'll make an offer that's like maybe not uh that he's going to take but at least you know to make it seem okay to fans or something maybe that was his play I have no idea that's what you gotta but 
it, it at the end of the day it was the right move, even though we both were like, no, you gotta pay dollars. And and that's what you have to like about Anthopolis, and what I appreciate is he's not going to get you into Frank Ren deal, like, and even if it's not the popular move at the time, he is wise about it and he's going to do these one year deals overpay for people like Cole Hamels which doesn't matter in the long time in the long term it still just sucks but like it, it doesn't matter like it, it doesn't it matter does. it hurts this. us this year we have no pitching depth it doesn't matter there's no one else that we're going to like any other guy you have to give a five year deal yeah it's not like I wanted to go get Madison Bumgarner right exactly but, but fans were calling for that probably including myself um, but he doesn't get you into that he, he finds Listens to his scattering department, finds these Darno's. Uh, I don't know. I just really appreciate the guy for that. He, he's going to have, have to, to trade B- Craig Kimbrell to get out of the BJ Upton deal. Right, right. Crap like but, that. But he is going to have to make a move here if that's big, if he wants to win a championship this year. And that's the thing I want to see from Anthopolis. Chips on the table, all in. Give me a go get a fucking ace. It's because to pair with Max Reed to try and win a World Series. I don't know if you that, don't do that, you're not going to win the World Series. I don't know Series. who that guy is. Like, Lance Lynn, is he that ace? This year, apparently, he's been... Apparently, they're asking the world for Lance Lynn. Yeah, I mean, but I think eventually you're going to have to make a move for a guy like that. Because you're right, the value moves have worked for Anthopolis overall. Minus the Jose Bautista bullshit thing. We knew that was a disaster. Oh, yeah, it didn't yeah. But, you know, it wasn't like we were expecting he, him he to do ties. anything. But, um... He, he, he hasn't made the big move yet. And he's going to have to do that if he wants to win a championship at the trade deadline. If we don't do anything, or if we trade for a, a starter that, you know, is like a Paul Mahalem-esque kind of guy who's just okay, we're not winning a World Series. We're not, we're not going to do anything in the playoffs. I like how Paul Mahalem's the face of our podcast now. It's so weird. You know, like Nakahoma Nation, they always tout Nick, Nick Marquez. Paul Mahalem's I think we need boy. to push Paul Mahalem a little bit. Uh, but you know what I mean? But do you agree that we have to go get a great starter to compete for a championship? I agree that that would up our odds a lot. I think with this bullpen and some of the wild cards I'd mentioned, we still have a chance without doing that. But I'm not going to be impressed by – I don't think Lance Lynn's that guy. Like, people are I – don't, I don't want Mike Miner. Mike Miner's had a rough year this year. He's still striking a lot of guys, but his ERA is like – Upper fives, whip isn't good. He, right. he, he's he's not. Even though guys are mis- striking out guys, he's still not missing a lot of barrels. Like he's having a bad season. Here's a name that's going to make you puke. That's funny, and I could see this one happening because you could get him for dirt. Uh, Kevin Gospin has been thrown out a lot. He's get having the fuck a out of he's here. having a decent. You know, he, he, it's because he's pitching in San Francisco. What was that? That ballpark's huge. But he had like 11 Ks in like five innings the other day. Okay, I mean that's pretty impressive. But what's his season? I mean, st- he, he, stats? he would be a good guy to like get us through the regular season the next thirty days. But he's not going to win you a championship. Yeah, that's the thing. I think you're not going to trust Clevenger. Win, could win you a World Series. Clevenger, year. I'd be impressed with. If you, I think Clevenger, you go get and you sit him down and say you're not going to any fucking bars. The battery is closed, motherfucker. You can't go out and drink. If you want to drink, we'll we'll. we'll Give you a little six-pack in your go hotel room. To, go to the Gibby studio. Yeah. He can drink here. Right. It's just, like, if you go get Clevenger, that says to me you're serious about winning a World Series. If you don't, you're not. Yeah, could happen. Um, but what I think is interesting about Anthopolis is that in Toronto, he was known for making huge moves. Trading for Donaldson from Oakland. Bringing in Tula Whiskey from Colorado. David Price bringing him in. I think they, he did that all in the same year. And they... 
got to the ALCS, and you know they 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 went for it. They didn't win the World Series, but they got far. Um, he hasn't made that big of a move yet for the Braves, and I think if you, I think he's, and it's just, I just feel like the other the shoe's got to drop at some point. Like he's made the right value moves, he's got to go for the jugular, and I think even though this is a bastardized season, it'd still be really fucking cool to win the World Series. So let's let's do it. I mean, let's go for it. What have we got to lose, honestly? Hell yeah. As long as you don't trade Acuna or Ozzy Albies. Yeah. Although maybe now they're seeing they can win without Ozzy Albies. What if a guy like Ozzy ah! is your big trade chip to get that gun? I would. That would be scary. What about man? that? Our offense has been fine without him. That's true. And you got Dansby kind of stepping into the Ozzy role of last year. So, I mean, that's the type of real chip that could get you an ace, Graham. Especially with a guy like Clevenger who's proven. You probably want a proven guy, such as an Ozzy Albies. Yeah, I mean, fans throw out all these ridiculous trade. It was like, let's trade our most mediocre prospects. Give them like five of them for one stud. That's not how these things work. you got to give up MLB-proven talent at some point. I'm, I think that's my next prediction. Ozzy Albies is on the hot seat for being traded. Well, we know Adam is no false prophet, so it could definitely happen. I uh, don't like that because as good as Dansby's been this year, he still hasn't proven it to me over a full season. Ozzy has proven it to me over multiple full seasons now that he is a viable player offensively and defensively. Dansby only defensively. Um, so I would I would not like that. However, you got to give up something to get something. So it's going to to get Clevenger, you're going to have to pay a mighty price. So we'll we'll see what happens, but I would I would be very afraid of Dansby regressing back to the mean because there's more data against him right now offensively than there is supporting him over the course of his career. Even though obviously he's a young guy, not a finished product, and he's kicking ass right now, I would still rather have Ozzy Alves long term than Dansby at this time. Sure, yeah, it, it, it'd be painful, but like you said, you got to give up something to get something. Yep, sort of like when we traded uh, Prado for Justin Upton. Yeah, you know, we all love Prado. Yeah, he was still excellent, but we got you know. It, it does take big major- time slugger. We haven't seen a Braves trade that involved major league talent in a while. Like ready to go major league talent. Mm-hmm. I feel like most of our trades the last four or five years involve prospects. You know, no one that's been a big piece of our team. So it'd be it'd be interesting. Probably pretty unpopular, but yeah, that would be that would possibly be wild. what's needed. That would be wild. Yeah, we'll see what Amphopolis does as the trade deadline approaches. It's still August 31st, right, Adam? Yep. So, so by the time we ne- do another show... Next the, week, we'll be discussing something. Yeah. By the next time we, we, we have another show, the deadline will have come and gone. So, yeah, I don't think we have anything else on the Braves. There's not really much to report on the Falcons, as far as I know. Um, unless you have anything. Uh, did we discuss last week AJ Terrell? Yes. Yeah, more of the same. Him showing, just absolutely showing out. Defensive line, more... Uh, Your boy Marlon Davidson, we talked about him last week. Yeah, more positive news there, but just like the, the overall depth there. Um, yeah, I'm, I've, I'm excited for some football. Been watching a lot more these Falcons practice, and they're going to start doing scrimmages now, and we'll have to dive into that big time in the next week or two, Graham. Yep, do an NFL season preview for sure. And not really much else going on in Atlanta sports. I know uh, United won a game. Yeah, Stephen Glass, congratulations. Yep, interim coach. 
Um, it looks better. Pity Martinez played well, scored a goal. Yeah. Uh, actually watched it. Don't really have much else to say other than that. It was a soccer game. Guzan had a couple of nice saves. Sure, sure. And the team definitely played with a little more uh, chutzpah than they've shown in the past uh, when DeBoer was still the coach, at least this season, and particularly in that bubble tournament. So hopefully United continues to play well when they resume playing. But don't really have much else to say. I know our, our soccer analysis is second to none, but, you know, it's just not much going on this weekend. All right, that's the best you've ever done, Graham. Oh, thank you. Proud of you. It means a lot. <laughs> Well, I think this wraps up today's show, Adam. It does not. Graham. It does not. Oh, Jesus. We have to discuss Luka Doncic. Ah. Trey Young. Yep. Um, so, Twitter was blowing up last week. Everyone freaking out about Luka Doncic. Game winning three in the playoffs. Also had a triple-double, something crazy, like 50 points, 18 boards, and 17 assists. Something ridiculous Somewhere like that. There, yeah. It was some insane triple-double that you only get in NBA 2K. Yeah, it, it was pretty crazy. Which he's done multiple times this year. Yeah, he's clearly a hell of a player. People, he's, he's people, already he's already surpassed the I think Dirk or someone else in the Mavericks for all time triple doubles, and he's this is only what his second or third season, second season. Well, that's Dirk, insane. Dirk wasn't a playmaker, but in the history of the of the Mavericks franchise, when you got guys like Steve Nash, Steve Finley, Dirk, your boy uh, Sean Robinson. The big seven six guy who never did anything. Yeah, yeah. You got all those guys, two Hall of Famers, one very good player, and Sean Robinson. And you don't have a guy that had more than nine or ten triple doubles. Sean Robert, I don't think you got that name. Well, right. whatever. The guy who was seven six that you use. Sean Bradley. Sean Bradley, whatever his name is. The guy in NBA Street who's just should be really good, but he's not. Yeah. Kind of like how he was in real life. Right. Um. But anyways, that's that's. Ins- and I know triple doubles have become more prevalent more recently when you have more multidimensional players and less defense being played. But he, he's, he's been an absolute stud. It's cl- yeah, it's clear that he's a generational talent. and People are already putting him among the all-time greats, which I think is it's absurd. It's lunacy. He still hasn't... Like, no one mentioned the fact that he followed up that game with pretty mediocre 22 points and his team got blown out by, like, 25 points. Didn't hear much about that. But sure. one, one game... That happens to be the only thing going on because we're in the middle of coronavirus. Let's anoint him the next Magic Johnson and uh, say the Falcons made the biggest mistake. I mean, the, the Hawks made the biggest mistake of their lives. So I understand it's clearly looking like he's the better player than Trey Young, but Trey Young is also, it's not like he's a, a bust. It's, no. not, it's not like it's drafting. Um, Marvin Williams over Chris Paul. Yeah, it's not Marvin Williams over Chris Paul. You got a guy who's a 30 points a night dude, double-digit assists. And you have Cam Reddish in that trade as well, who certainly has the potential to be an all-star at the least. He's got a high ceiling. He His season got cut short, but he was on the up and up. I still think at the end of the day – even though I agree with your most of your points about about Trey not being like you know he's obviously still a great player, you know was an All Star this year actually earned an All Star wasn't just you know fan I mean he was voted in by the fans but he clearly deserved it it wasn't just like you know a sympathy fuck or anything like that uh, Trey with with a you know subpar supporting cast for the most part has you know had a really great season 
offensively. But I still think even with Cam Reddish as being the guy we got as an extra pick, Luka provides more value overall because he's a better defender, he can get more rebounds, and he's as good of a passer, and you can argue he's a better scorer. He's a better overall player than Trey. And I think even with Trey and Cam Reddish combined right now, Luka is the He's the better player. I mean, there's, I don't think there's any way around that right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying it's not like we got completely had. No. I think people are freaking out a little bit too much about it right now. The, the thing that I guess is more frustrating than Marvin Williams or Chris Paul is that you literally drafted Luka. He's wearing the Hawks hat on draft night, and then you traded him. And, I mean, I don't – I mean, you know, I, I can, I'm thinking back to when we first started talking about Luka a few years ago. And we were both like, well, he's this big, tall European white guy. I mean, big, no tall European white guys that we've seen flame out of the NBA. You're Darko Milicek's. You also got your Dirk Nowitzki's. You know, they, it could go either way, or it could be somewhere in the middle. Uh, clearly, he's more of a Dirk than he is Darko. But it seemed to me on that night, like, I didn't think Trey Young would be nearly as good as he was. I thought Luka had the, maybe had the potential to be a, a stud. But uh, Trey, I wasn't really that excited about it from watching him in his uh, college uh, days, even though he was a prolific scorer, uh, but he's proven me wrong. He's been he's been a, a great offensive player. It's just he's got nothing on D. He's one of the worst defenders in the league in every metric you can look at. So it is frustrating that we could have had Luca, but I mean I think we should also be very happy with having Trey Young. Yeah, we we didn't get a bust. No, he's clearly not a bust. He's an All Star yeah. caliber pl- player, and he also hopefully can get better at defense. Yeah, and, and he's not in the limelight right now. No, he hasn't played in fucking seven right. months. So let him and Clint Capella get rolling. Yeah. Luca also has a much better supporting cast around him. I would be very interested to see what Trey's stats. Trey's stats are already fantastic from a scoring and assist perspective. You know, maybe he's getting into the 50.18 assist range if he's got a Chris Stapps Porzingis playing alongside him or someone like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no disrespect to John Collins, but, you know, John Collins is great, but Chris Stapps is a much better player. So it's like, Let's see, you know, let's see where Trey Young is once he gets a, a, a more consistent supporting cast around him in terms of how, how, how he can fill up the statue even more than he already is, which he's already doing a great job with offensively, at least. Yeah, the future is still bright, Hawks fans. Yeah, Calm definitely. Down. And it's just instant reaction. Everyone take a breath. Yeah, instant reaction to stuff. Uh, yeah, no one considers the long-term view. Like, you know, we were talking about Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson could suck for the next, for the rest of the season. We have no idea. But at least from what we saw, he looked, he looked excellent. That's not to say he could just totally shit the bed in the future. We have no idea. So let's not anoint him, you know, new ace of the staff. When we got the best, pit, arguably the best pitcher in baseball, Max Free, has been carrying the staff the whole season. If if the Mavericks come back and win this series, and Luca goes for sixty twenty and thirty in both games, <laughs> you know, I might rethink what I'm saying. Right, right. but uh, let's not crown his ass. We're not in the Denny Green scenario yet where you uh, say, you know, the Bears are who we thought they were. We don't we didn't know what Luca was, so we don't have to crown him yet, so we won't crown his ass. That was one of those things I said it knowing it was a sports reference, but I couldn't remember where from. Oh, yeah. So The Bears are who we thought they were. They are. If you want to crown them, then crown his ass! <laughs> uh, that was one of my favorite post-game press conferences ever. Good recall. But they are who we thought they were! I think if you can live your life and come out of it with a top-notch sports press conference like that, that people are going to remember for the end of time, like the, the Jim Mora senior playoffs? Playoffs, yeah. Playoffs. Successful life. You got it made, Bo. Oh, sure. 
Thanks. That, that's, that's leaving a legacy behind. Congrats to Jim Morris Sr. and Denny Green on those major accomplishments. Yes. Two men we should aspire to be like after witnessing those two moments. Absolutely. Here, here. Well, now, Adam, I think this wraps up today's episode of Atlanta Zone. We want to thank you guys for listening, continuing to listen through all our uh, sound bullshit we've been dealing with the last few weeks. We hope this sounds a little better. And we'll talk to you all next week. Hope you all are staying safe out there. Until next time, rise up, chop on, stand brotherhood, unite and conquer, believe in blue land, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality soap. Thank you again to Gibby's Garage Studios. Yes, thank you, Gibby. In Old Fourth Ward. Very fair. Hospitality soap. Hospitality soap. <laughs>